We've seen in the present crisis many of our shepherds submit themselves fully to the authority of Caesar, not in giving unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but in giving unto him what belongs to God. Historically, Caesar has always tried to take what belongs to God for himself. To be plain about this, we've seen many of the bishops submit themselves to the rule of the secular authorities, many of whom are enemies of the church and enemies of God, through their promotion and defense of medical Moloch worship, James Martin marriages, and other abominable crimes that cry out to heaven for vengeance. This submission is being done in virtually every diocese in the Western world, but is far worse in some places than in others. It represents an unholy uniting of church and state, not in partnership for mutual good that the church has always advocated, but in an unholy ape of that relationship, where the church is declared by the state to be non-essential, and the church submits in practice to this ruling. There are countless examples of this, but the most relevant comes from the United States, where one of, if not the, most influential American bishop has issued a certification process for reopening the parishes in his diocese that was itself written in partnership with an atheistic Moloch-serving politician from the party of death. And this certification process will permit this bishop to keep closed the parishes that he finds too traditional in his diocese. I speak of Cardinal Supich, friend of this channel. And yes, that's a joke born from the numerous times I've had to mention him in the past, which happened at one point so frequently that I could have called this the Criticizing Cardinal Supich channel, but instead tried to be funny about it. Supich is quite the character, and he has a history of standing against orthodox expressions and teachings of the Catholic faith, with the most famous example of his attempting to send a priest to functionally a re-education center whose only crime was defending his parish from the corrupting influence of the James Martin agenda. But that's not the subject today. What we have is the case of Supich doing what so many other bishops have done, which is to surrender the church to the rule of Caesar. Supich, like most if not all the other bishops of the West, ended public masses in mid-March and has been planning for a reopening of public worship, while many secular operations that are questionable in nature have been deemed essential. It was Supich who required that even emergency baptisms be okayed, either himself personally or by one of his auxiliary bishops prior to it being performed, which is remarkable given that baptism is often given in cases where death is imminent. What that says about their belief in the efficacy of baptism, I'll leave you to decide. Supich has gotten pushback in Chicago from a new organization, the St. Charles Borromeo Society, whose purpose is, in their own words, to defend the church against a society that has deemed it inessential. They issued a scathing statement describing perfectly the situation, not only in the Archdiocese of Chicago, but in much of the Western world. I'll let the St. Charles Borromeo Society speak for itself. Here's their full statement on Cardinal Supich. Quote, It is crucial for all Catholics to be made aware of the new guidelines that have recently been set forth for the reopening of churches in the Archdiocese of Chicago. They represent nothing less than a triple betrayal of Christ and his church because they institutionalize what has till now been merely implied, the narrative that the church is secondary and must abase itself as though it were merely a place of recreation. With the stroke of a pen, Cardinal Supich has blithely yielded the authority of the church and subjected the, the primacy of her worship to laws of man which are being successfully challenged by other denominations. 
In doing so, he replaces what has been historically defended for thousands of years with the absurd perception that the Mass and sacraments are less necessary and more potentially dangerous than grocery stores, gas stations, hardware stores, takeout restaurants, laundries, the post service, and construction trades, all of which are having no trouble observing CDC regulations. His second and more insidious betrayal lies in the fact that none of these essential businesses nor any other diocese has been subjected to any official certification process in order to open. Why on earth would we place less trust in the church than all of these? Note carefully that the government is not the one forcing a certification process on our churches. Cardinal Supich has taken this upon himself, circumventing any legal recourse the laity might have for relief from this inequitable policy. What could he possibly stand to gain by such a self-punitive plan? Could it be because it gives him an unchecked power to grant or revoke this certification according to his tastes? Anyone who doubts this possibility would do well to consider the cases of Father Frank Phillips or Father Paul Kalchik, or the church in South Dakota whose doors he locked during the Easter Tritium. Supich's third betrayal is his veneer of self-righteousness, which undermines the true virtue of our church. Secular wisdom abounds in his introduction to these new policies, and the entire gospel is ignored while we are admonished about being our brother's keeper. This gaffe is not unusual. Most of us will recall his rabbit hole episode. I suppose he never stopped to realize that this phrase was Cain's sarcastic way of deflecting his own guilt for murdering his brother, simply because God had favored Abel's sacrifice over his own. Ironically, these insidious policies were announced on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, who appeared to three children in Portugal at a time when the government was doing its best to stamp out the superstition of religion. After months of apparitions, Our Lady proved herself with the miracle of the sun, which was witnessed by over 30,000 people. Why is this ironic? Because Our Lady came to warn the world that, despite His great mercy, God would not hold back forever the punishment we deserve for our countless sins and offenses against Him. With tears in her eyes, she begged us to offer reparation, describing the tribulations that lay in store if her warning was ignored. Where is this message today? Where is the voice of the Church in the midst of this crisis? calling for reparation for our sins and offenses, lest we suffer further chastisement. Where is her care of souls? In place of the call for reparation, the representatives of our church insist that this worldwide scourge cannot possibly be a punishment from God. Rather, it is likely a result of our offenses against Mother Nature, and, re and prayer is really nothing more than wishful thinking. Thus refusing to humble ourselves before God's judgment, we rush to humble ourselves before man's. Amen, I say to you, unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. See Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Children trust. Sheep trust. We have a profound need to trust our shepherds. But Christ the good shepherd himself warned us to beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. By their fruits you shall know them. When the fruit of the shepherd is distrust, hubris, and betrayal, it becomes the duty of the sheep to recognize these signs and act accordingly. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and are become abominable in their ways. There is none that doth good, not no one. See Psalm chapter 13, verse 1. Thus is the statement of the St. Charles Borromeo Society. There you have it. That sounds like a valid description of most of the bishops in the United States in practice to me. This is certainly not limited to the United States, though. 
nor the thinking that feeds into actions like this. On February 29th, an Italian bishop said that not only is the current crisis not a chastisement from God, he said that God does not chastise people or the world as a whole. Yes, a bishop said that. The bishop who said that was Cardinal Angela Soscola, a high-ranking influential member of the Roman Curia, which should set off alarm bells for the faithful, but at this point, let's be honest, the number of alarm bells being run coming out of the well, out of the Roman Curia and out of the Vatican these days are deafening for anyone with ears to ear here. Cardinal Scola appears to take a deist approach to his belief in God, whom, whom he says knows and predicts events in history, but does not direct them, which is also astonishing to hear. But what else are we to expect? That same sort of theory, that God takes a purely passive role in the exercise of his will over human events, might explain why neither the consecration of Russia has happened, or, and also alarmingly, why on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, the shrine was surrounded by Portuguese troops with the purpose of keeping pilgrims out of the shrine dedicated to the appearance of Our Lady, who came to warn of quite possibly our times. And by our times, I mean what we're going through now. After all, if God only predicts and doesn't direct chastisements against the faithless, then what purpose would Our Lady have in coming to bring a message to Fatima? That message made clear that a chastisement was coming that Our Lady was defending us in a direct intercession to her Son, but could only do so for so long before the justice of the Father was inevitably unleashed, unless, of course, we did some certain things about it, and that justice would be richly deserved for our faithlessness and our impurity. Given that the Church and her sacraments are seen as inessential in this crisis, it really truly makes me wonder how these bishops view their efficacy at all. If they view them as purely symbolic, it would explain why they are so open to expressions of human fraternity with other false faith traditions that cannot possibly offer salvation. We live in truly dark times. In closing, I'll leave you with this thought. Right now, there is a quote that has been attributed to the first director of the Planetary Health Agency, whose name I have to change here because of increasing crackdowns on criticisms of such organizations. The quote goes like this, quote, to achieve world government, it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family traditions, national patriotism, and religious dogmas, end quote. Given that this has been verified, one is left to wonder if the bishops would stand up against this agenda when it becomes obvious even to those whose intellect has been dimmed by sin and the heresy of modernism. I doubt that they will, they will until it's too late. But maybe I'm wrong. Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please, and pray for the church. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.